0: Today um, we're wrapping up what we have, it's, it's quite a, a bit of a unique story. I was actually walking, um, um, because when we wrapped up we were just finishing up our outreach month and we're leading into Easter and I had, I suppose, my plans of what was going to happen after Easter had some ideas jotted down and, and all of a sudden everything changed. And I remember really clearly one day going, all those ideas, that they're God's ideas, they're still there, they will come out at some point in time. I went, none of them's right for now. And I was thinking, and I shared this a little bit in in, uh, the first sermon I did on on experiencing God. I was thinking as I was walking one day and I was thinking, what what can we do during this time? Not knowing how long we were going to be in there. And again, basically it's just worked out to be Perfect timing that it finished today, as we came back together, and we are talking about the continuing our fellowship with God. That's what we're talking about today. And but again, just a bit of a background on on uh, experiencing God. It's it's a book and resources written by Henry Blackaby, and it was a workbook that I went through, uh, probably when I was um, probably a little bit younger than Stanley, so probably around 22, 23 and um, I remember it was actually quite a bit of a commitment because it was part of our our small group at the time and you needed to probably spend at least 20 minutes to half an hour a day. Now, for some of you, you go, oh, that doesn't sound like very much. Now, for some people, especially to me at that age, like I was pretty good early on. I was doing my my 20 minutes a day and getting through the, the daily and then it got to the point what happened i think and so i'm sort of passing the buck here a little bit i started coming along a small group and i found other people hadn't done their homework and they're kind of answering the questions but not really and and anyway what happened is i started getting a bit slack myself and sooner you missed a couple of days and then you'd cram like 3 days into 1 and all of a sudden you go oh you're trying to do an hour and a half s work in an hour and and um and so like i found i only got up to about week 8 and i think it kind of because the rest of the group weren't committing to the study. And so I found as I was going through it, I was was refreshing my notes and and looking at stuff that I wrote when I was 22, 23 years old and and like, oh, that doesn't really even make sense anymore, but some things still did and and some things I couldn't actually understand because my writing was just as bad then as it is now. But anyway, I got to about week eight or week nine, I went, oh, I've actually got to start doing the work again because... I can't just review my notes. I've actually got to make notes. And so I've enjoyed that process for myself. And in in addition to that, I I actually purchased his um, devotional, which is a 365-day devotional. And I, again, this is credit be to God and not him, but basically I'm finding that the questions and the thoughts that he shares actually come back to leading me to go and I've actually got to spend 15, 20 minutes again. just reading one verse. my church what does it mean for my family what does it mean that i'm actually not quick to say yes to god on things and because we've been talking about this in this series that the fact that as we experience god it starts with the point of relationship and i've really been i've really been challenged in that area because it is it is about the relationship with god that everything flows out of we can learn to do church better we can learn the bible better but if we don't have a relationship with God, we basically get to a place where we, cannot, we, are, we are limited in our experience of Him. I'm not saying we won't experience God, but we limit our experience with God because we are either not digging deeper into our relationship or we're not being obedient. We're not letting change happen in our life. And so we talked about in the past few weeks coming to a place of a crisis of belief. Now, for some of you, you think, oh, that's going to happen once. No, it's going to happen multiple times. Multiple times in your life where you come to a point going, can I trust God with this? Yes, I can. And so then the next time you go, yeah, I can trust God with that, but can I trust him with this? And then you go, oh, yeah, I can trust God with this. And then it becomes this and this. And all of a sudden, that's the same journey that we take as a church. Uh, can we trust God in this? And a crisis of belief leads us to, to obedience, leads us to adjusting our lives. That was a challenge for me, that one. Because as I, I was working on that, I'm going, it's not just about saying yes to God, it's about saying yes to the changes he wants to make. And some of those changes are, they might be minuscule, but they are embedded deep in our lives. And God wants to change those. And you are going, oh, I've had that in my life, and you can put the number of years that you're, you've been alive. I've had that in my life all this time, and I I don't really want to change that. And God's saying, if you want to experience me more, that needs to go, that needs to change, That needs, or this needs to be added. And so we, we get to that crisis of belief and we are led to obey, we, we need to adjust, and all of a sudden we get onto that new place where we are experiencing God in a new way. And as I look back over my life, I could see that there were times in my life where I've, I had decided to trust God more, and all of a sudden that was never an issue to trust God that big again. It was easy to be able to happen. And so I've seen that, that growth of experiencing God in my own life. I've seen myself pull away from God, though. And that lack of relationship at times leads us to a place where we are not experiencing him as much. And so today, really what I want to share about real briefly is this idea that I'm, I don't want to share information with you today. I want to share the reality that God wants us as the church to exist in. And, and I suppose I, I actually really struggle to put this in a way. This week, I, I, I spent a few hours up last night, re-just rethinking it through in the material that's in the book. And, and but basically, this is what I came to: the church should be like going home. Now, what I mean by that is not the building. What I mean is the body of Christ, with Christ as our head, should be like going home. Because when you go home, you feel quite comfortable. Um, just think back last Sunday as you're watching church. Some of you may have just got out of bed. Some of you may have been having coffee. Some of you hair may not have been brushed. Some of your hair's not brushed now. Like I'm not. No, I won't get that. But the thing is, you get to a point where you you get comfortable at home, and I, I, I see this really clearly. Like when those have moved out of home. Some of you may have moved out of home recently. Some may have moved out of home years and years and years ago, but Try and think back, when you first moved out of home, when you went back home, it still felt like home, didn't it? You still felt comfortable there. You still felt like you could drop stuff on the ground, like if you were a messy... I can list that, and mum will clean up, or dad will clean up after me. And my brother, when he was first married, he was married quite young, um, and he moved out of home and got married. It was, like, it was just um, straight away. And, but he would... Still living in Toowoomba, he would often drop back into my parents' place And what he would do was open the fridge and see what was in there for him to eat. And my parents were fine with that, as long as he didn't eat too much of their food. The thing is, one time he got in trouble, not with my parents, but with his wife. She said, you can't come over here and raid the fridge. This is not your home anymore. Our food's at home. This is not yours. But the thing is, you feel comfortable there you feel and that's the thing for us at home right now for those who have kids your kids feel confident and bold and comfort um and and in in their own home they they feel so comfortable that they feel free to mess it up anytime they want like feel free to leave this here and there, there and everywhere some some may be married to someone i'm not saying husbands or wife that they feel comfortable too like going i can leave the house this way and the the, the cleaning fairy will attack it and with with a vigorous Quite variously, but that's what the church should be like. There should be a comfort and confidence and boldness which we can approach it. Um, now Hebrews ten nineteen says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So when I read that verse, that word boldly stood out to me because boldly means you walk in just naturally. You're not intimidated by entering God's house at all. You're not intimidated or afraid or worried about what God says. You walk in. You just walk in. And again, if I was to go back to the kids, they walk in, they leave the doors open, or slam the doors behind them, and drop their bags at the door, and that's what it is to enter God's house. We, we enter boldly, but the thing is, another thing I picked up in this verse is that we can boldly enter. This verse is not about me sort of being sort of comfortable in God's presence. It's talking about the body of Christ being a place where they are comfortable, confident and in resting in the presence of God and with God as our head. You see, as we look at this, we journey together in growing more intimate with God. We actually are on this direction where we are growing closer to God. So God's here and we're moving closer to God. The thing is, what do you notice as well as we grow closer to God? We get closer to the, uh, each other. We actually draw closer to one another as we draw closer to God. Now, this is what the church is meant to be, but I also see this is a reason that at times that near fellowship doesn't happen. Do you know why? Because we actually can be quite guarded. Oh, this is my life and this is my space, and as we too close, or I'm getting too close, I'm getting too close, and all of a sudden we're going, we need spiritual, spatial, uh, social distancing. We, we can't be too close to each other because people will find out things about me which I don't want them to find out. People might be aware that I'm not as strong as I think I am, or um, put up. People might know that, like, maybe I, I need to grow in God more. People may be aware of, of sin in my life. And so all of a sudden as we grow closer to God, we go, can't get any closer to each other and that prevents us growing closer to God. So this, this becomes the reality of this thing. Your relationship with God impacts my relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that before in the church? That how close that you desire to be with God will impact my relationship with God. Because if I'm only going to get so far with God and therefore don't want to get close to you as we draw close to him, we may stop well and truly um, a long way from where God wants us to be. And so that becomes, I suppose, the hurdle we need to get over. Because not only do we need to be intimate with God, but we need to be intimate as a fellowship, as a body of Christ, as a small body seeking to do what God wants us to do. But when we get to that point, all of a sudden we are then free to trust one another, to serve where we are gifted to do so. Because the thing is, there are times when we're out in the world where we are covering up all our brokenness and going, hey, I'm functional. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm alive. I can do all the things that you want me to do. And, And meanwhile, inside we're going, I can't do this. And we bring that same facade into the church. Do you know what? God does not need a church of fake strong people, but it needs a church full of weak, open people. And it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be uncertain because as a body we will complete each other. I was really challenged on that the week we talked about the church that when you are missing, and I'm not talking about here just on a Sunday because, again, that's been really evident the last few months, but I'm talking about when your part in the church is not being fulfilled by you, part of our body is not working. And God is calling you to, to be a part of, of that, be a part of the body life and where God is calling us to. So what's God's remedy for broken fellowship? Well, first of all, what we need to realize, that word we talked about last week, uh, koinonia, which it basically means fellowship, but not the fellowship that we understand it as. Because you, I say fellowship, who thinks food? So some of you are lying, okay? Like, uh, hardly any hands went up. But when I say fellowship, some of you going to "Go going fellowship lunch. That's the word you attach to it. Fellowship dinner? Um, where are we going for coffee? Like, that's what you attach to it. So we, we think we associate fellowship with social and food. But fellowship in a koinonia sense was more and more intimate than that, more deeper than that, but also actually looked at fulfilling the purpose of God. So it actually... It was about serving with one another and celebrating one another's successes in God and encouraging one another through their trials with God. That's part of the church. And so when we come to our AGM in a few weeks' time, this is not an ad for that, but it's an opportunity for you to cheer on the cheer on those ministry leaders who have served in that way. We, we appreciate what you've done. We're praying for you. We're thankful you've challenged me and my walk with God. It's an opportunity to do that rather than just sort of staying in our own lane. So koinonia is is much deeper um, than just simple fellowship. And this is the thing. It's not an option for believers. It's the standard. It's the base level. We're meant to have koinonia with one another. And so it's not optional for a church. We should be functioning at that level as well. And and this is the way I sort of... At the moment, oh, last year, my, my left shoulder and my right shoulder's feeling lonely with one of the join in have been have caused me quite a bit of discomfort and the thing is when part, when you think about it, someone who's got part of their body that doesn't work very well does it just sort of impact that part of the body or do you does the rest of your body kind of is impacted by it for me I, I, it wakes me up at night so all of a sudden I'm tired in the morning because I haven't got to sleep and that's just because my shoulder is a little bit hurting it impacts the whole thing, and see, sometimes we go, "Oh, over here in the church is not working very well, but my walk with God is going fine. Everything's right." But when we think about it like that, um, it's, it's the body is not working together. And and I, I was even thinking about like um, years ago, I I damaged my, my left knee um, playing basketball, and what I found as it even as it healed was my left leg was a little bit slower than my right leg. Like, I still could play sport, I could still run, but as soon as you got to those top speeds, it was like, oh, wait a second, I'm not actually... I've, I've got to slow down a bit, otherwise one doesn't keep up as much. And, and if I do put too much pressure on it, it can have the, the thing where it sort of collapses again. And that's the problem. See, sometimes when we look at the body life and we kind of go, OK, I'm doing OK, it doesn't matter about what I, everyone else is going through, all of a sudden, it's like walking, and 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 you're walking fine with this leg, and this leg's not. And what happens to the body? It falls flat on its face. It falls over. It hurts itself. It actually does itself damage. And so, it's important for the body to be healthy, not just you. You just you don't. And so, all of a sudden, we actually bear a responsibility to look at this. So, what we also need to look at, when it looks at we're looking at God's remedy for broken fellowship, is that sin will break koinonia with God. So, and this is one of the things, my sin will damage your fellowship with God. Like that's, that's the reality. When we look at koinonia, is that when I am doing something, whether I've missed a mark or whether I'm deliberately saying no to God. And see, that's sin. When we say, God says, I want you to go talk to my neighbor, and I say no, you think, well, oh, that's not that bad, is it? I'm being willfully disobedient to God. I'm actually, and this is the word that I used a few weeks ago, I'm in active rebellion against God. When that happens, it damages our whole cornea. It may not sort of remove it altogether, but it stops us at, to be at that peak level. But if my sin impacts your cornea, the opposite is true as well when you are not walking with God, when you are not being obedient to God, when you are not saying God uh, yes to God at all times, then it impacts the koinonia for the rest of the fellowship as well. It is important for us, as I said right at the beginning, when it comes to experiencing God, it is important for all of us to be walking in right relationship with God. Um, otherwise, we we it, it limits our experience with Him. Um We need to get to the point where we understand that we need each other because we are the body. We need each other. That is one of the biggest things that I've missed in the past few months, the fact that we weren't physically the body of Christ. We still were, but we weren't. And it made us hard to work. How can we be the church? It was one of my questions that I ask how can we do things that will encourage others and and draw people to Christ see and and again if we're maybe we're, we're sinning against God but maybe we we have times when we sin against one another and I think that's one of those things where we kind of we have that protective bu- bubble around us where we're not willing to be open to other people and and in today's today's I suppose mindset, we are easily offended by anything. And so someone uh, may do something that... And, and this is one of the things. Even different cultures will have different things that they highlight. Um, one of the things, as I shared with T.O., um, and some of you jokingly sort of said, well, not jokingly, you were actively doing it at home, watching church in your pyjamas. And I, I made that slight joke with T.O. And she, she was like aghast, saying, no, we get dressed up for church at home. We we are dressed up in our church clothes and then we watch church on TV because it's church, because it is God and we are seeking to honour Him. She wasn't wrong and I wasn't wrong. But the thing is, we could let that cause offence. See how simple that can happen? Now we can do things like break trust, we can lie about each other, we can be bullying one another in the church, that can happen also. But we can actually hurt each other through simple ways that actually will affect our intimacy. And so again, as we seek to be in relationship with God, we need to seek to remedy that with each other. Sometimes that means like compromise. Sometimes that means a lot of grace. Sometimes that means forgiveness of one another. Sometimes that means encouraging one another and supporting them so we can in- increase that um, our relationship along the way. And that's the thing. God provides his remedy for sin, which is Jesus Christ. And we look at 1 John 1.9, it says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We also look at the idea that when we confess, we actually own our sin, and then we say, God, it's yours. And God takes it away. He says, I give you my grace. That is a great trade when you think about it. God, here's all the rubbish that I have done. You take that, and then we get this wonderful grace in return. You try doing that anywhere else. Take your garbage into the bank and see what they'll do for you. Like, probably the only place it does work is when you recycle your cans these days. Like, you can take your rubbish in there and they give you money, but probably the only place in the world that it works that way, that we can take our, our spiritual garbage and put it in God's hands and he'll give us grace and forgiveness. But that's God's remedy for sin. He doesn't want us to continue in that. Well, just quickly, I want to have a look at um, one of the things as we call to be continuing our, our fellowship with God. We are, we are to help each other, and that and again, I'm 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 going to pick on you because I've been doing too much the last couple of months. It is we need to help each other. So when it comes to discipleship, who needs to do discipleship? Okay, you're not really confident on that answer. I really emphasise the we here. So who needs to do the discipleship? Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're... So that, but that mean, might mean you're discipling one person and encouraging them. You might sort of be grabbing a young mum because you've been there before and you can encourage them in it. You might be grabbing a friend from school that is sort of either exploring faith or new to faith and you can do that. You might be sort of taking that opportunity to include someone in your small group and, and doing it that way. You might actually be finding someone, let's grow together because you know, this is brand new stuff for us and let's go and witness to some of our friends together. That's the we part of discipleship. Um, when it comes to worship, how are we meant to be doing it? Together. We, we, again, we worship. Again, it's not about just the music. It's about collectively we draw our eyes to what God is doing in our world. And that is why it's so important as we gather for you to share the story that God is showing you, even if it's that week or that day. All of a sudden, you can be in a place where you can celebrate what God has been doing. And that, and that may not have been my week. I may have had a really bad week. God's presence was there, but I've had a really bad week. And you can come in and say, look at what God has done in my week this week. And I go, oh, it's so great to hear God is at work. Oh, I had a few doubts this week, my week out, and all of a sudden God is at work. And then all of a sudden my week, next week goes, yep, God works that way. And, then, and, and so we can encourage in, in each other in and worship. And then we need to help each other in obedience. I'm meant to help you be obedient to God. You're meant to help each other be obedient to God. And and so that sometimes that's... I, I see obedience as, a, a, I suppose, from a parental point of view. Sometimes there's a, a, come on, an encouraging way to obedience. That's the best That's the best form. Um, sometimes there's a poke, there's a reminder. And we get those from God, like at times, saying, yep, um, you know that thing I asked you to do? I'll get to it God, it was something two years ago, I, I, I'm, it's in my, in my calendar, I'll get to it. And sometimes there's a push, where God places in a way where we've either got to say no or, or, or just pull away from God majorly. And I've had those times in my life as well, where I've gone, I've got no reason to say no to God here, and that means I've got to say yes, and then this is really scary, and this is really different. But we need to help each other in that. Um, uh, Hebrews twelve twenty four says, "Let us think of ways to motivate one another um, to acts of love and good works." Let's motivate each other to be obedient to God. Um, other versions say, "Let's spur one another on." And again, that's that cheering and encouraging one another. And so, it's not done. This is the concept we've got to grab. It's not the the crowd watching a football game cheering for the team. It is the teammate running alongside saying, you can do this. You've got this. I'm here with you. We can. I know we're tired, but let's keep on going. That's what the church should be. Too often we go into that other mindset where we've got a crowd looking in and we've got a few people on the field and we're going, you guys are doing a great job. Fantastic what you're doing. Keep it up. And then we just check out at the end of the day and go home. And we're happy for those. No, the church is everyone on the field. We are all in the same team and we help each other to obey. Um, Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Now, this meeting together is not just this time frame here. Okay? Okay? Um, I think that's, that's been a trap when people sort of focus on that verse. You have to be at church and church is from 10 to 11. No, no, no. It is about meeting together. And again, when we meet together, we're about doing God's purpose. So meeting together might be going and helping out a next door neighbor and getting someone from the church to help you and just, okay, we're going to clean up your yard because you're struggling at the moment. Or we're going to visit with you for a little bit. That's still meeting together. It might be meeting together to pray it might be meeting together to to um, study god 's word. it might be meeting together to be accountable to one another. all those are relevant and we need to 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 focus on that It is this one hour is to prepare us for all the other hours of the week because during those other hours we are still god's church we are still corner near and we are still about achieving the purposes of God well as I wrap up today just a few essentials for a koinonia community. We must love God with our total beings. Uh, you look at those verses, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. That is necessary. It becomes the goal for each of us in our personal faith to love God with everything we have. Right from our, our, our oldies to our, our, our younger ones, that is the goal. So if you are a teenager and you're sitting here going, that's my parents' job, you're wrong. It is your job to love God with all your, your being. If you are old and saying, I've been loving God all my life, I can pull the brake off. No, you can't. God is asking you to love you, love him with all, you are, all he is. We must submit to God's sovereign rule. We must actually say yes to God. And that's not just as us as individuals, but us as a church. And all of a sudden, and this is scary for me, all of a sudden, what if God brings an idea to you that as we share that with the church, we go, that's where we want to go. But I might go, but God, I don't know how to do that. That's a scary thing for me. I I lose control there. But again, the great thing is God is in control. God has got this. And so we as a church all of a sudden can hear God and we can all add to where God is calling us as a church. We must experience God in a real personal way. That becomes a challenge for each one of us. And we must trust completely in God like it's like sitting on a chair. you imagine if you didn't trust the chair you're sitting on right now you would look ridiculous you'd be like this and you'd be sitting like this the whole surface so some of you would be cramping up by now but some of you are quite relaxed in your chairs you're trusting him completely it's the same way with God when we trust God completely. It puts us at ease. We are not like this with God. Yeah, oh, oh, God! Oh, no, God! You're asking me to do too much. Oh, oh! We can actually get to a place where we go, God. You want me to do that today? Wasn't on my agenda, but okay. God, you want me to give this much money? Well, God, I don't have much more than that, but okay. God, you want me to leave the country? Okay. God, you want me to go next door? Okay. God, you want me to to change careers okay because why? I trust in you completely I trust in the God who brings favour to the thousandth generation I trust in that God completely so be at ease trust in him completely and let's commit to being God's community God's koinonia here in this place and I'm actually looking forward to growing deeper with, with each other and with God in the coming months as we look at I our, our, our Love My Church series but also as we, we we actually get back to like achieving the purposes that God is calling us to as well. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for today and for the time that we've had together. Um, I, I pray um, again that you will be leading us. Uh, I pray that you will lead us to God-sized things that only you can do and I pray that our trust will be resting solely on you. I pray that we would be confident and bold as we are part of the body of Christ and that we would rest easy in your hands because we know that you've got this. We know that you've got this year, but we know that you've got our lives. You know you've got whatever you are calling us to next. And so, Lord, we want to pray that you would guide us as we we go into this week, as we go into the rest of this year. And so, uh, Lord, we thank you for the experience that you show us. May we continue to experience you in, in, in deep and new ways. We pray this in your name. Amen.